Let me start off by asking you today, what have you been praying for and yet God has not brought an answer to you? What have you been asking God for and you have not seen God meet that need? One of the things as Christians we quite don't want to talk about is the unmet needs that we have in our lives. We know, we understand, the Bible says, be anxious for nothing, for in everything in prayer and supplication. We know, the Bible says, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for He cares for you. We know that my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and His glory. According to His riches and His glory. We know those scriptures by heart. We quote those scriptures by heart. But beloved, we need to face reality and ask ourselves, how many things have I truly been asking God for and it has gone unanswered thus far? Now, with all honesty today, we all have needs. Every single one of us seated here today, whether it's a financial need, whether it's a need for healing, whether it's a need of a salvation for a loved one, whether it's a need that you have in your workplace, wherever need it may be, beloved, we all have needs. And if we were honest, every single one of us seated here today have something that we need God to do for us. There's obviously something that we have so let me put it to you this way to have needs is to be human the reason we have needs is because we're humans if we're not humans we have no needs but the word of god as you study it and you read it you understand that it is plastered with people who had needs that consumed them we can talk about a few of them in a moment but what I'm talking about today is something that is further than just the needs we believe God from day to day. I'm talking about needs that begin to consume your mind. Things that begin to trigger you. Things that begin to rob you of the joy. Things that robs you of peace. Things that begin to frame your mind to a place where you look at life and you become cynical and pessimistic. These needs have taken a toll on you. It is beyond yourself. It is beyond our finite mind to process. It can be personal. It can be family. It can be external needs. But we all, as we sit here, we understand that there are those kind of needs that exist. And if you live long enough, you know that's true. Things that consume our minds. I want to read to you a story about a king. And in this text that we're going to read, the king has been appointed by God. He is now ruling in Judah and he is dealing with a circumstance that has consumed him. And as we consider the story, I want you to ponder this with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. Let's look at that passage together, a few verses of scripture here. It happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. 
Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So as you read this passage, let me set some background to this story. Things were reasonably well for King Jehoshaphat. Things were going well. Now, if you understand anything, he was a reasonably good king. He loved God. He was a man who obeyed God. So Jehoshaphat, yes, no doubt, made some mistakes here and there, but generally, contextually, he loved God and he obeyed God. He was loyal to God. But while all of this was transpiring, something out of his control happened. Suddenly, trouble began to brew. The two neighboring countries came in to attack Judah. And as they came to attack, so remember, I told you, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. So now he's looking, and these neighboring regions have not only come in to attack Judah, but he's also looking at two things. Number one, they have gone and invited other countries to come along to fight against Judah. So, not only is this problem getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but also as he looked at his own army, as the Bible says, they were so small and they were untrained as the people of Judah. So now Jehoshaphat is dealing with a situation where most of us will say is impossible for victory. You would look at it and say, you know what, my army is so small, so little in numbers, but yet there's no way they can fight because they are not trained, they are not gifted, they've not gone through the necessary uh, uh, equipping process. And in all of this, Think with me, Jehoshaphat looked at all of these things and to him, there is no way to victory. Let me ask you this morning, does your life at any point or any stage ever look like that? Where you seem like things are coming against you from all corners and you look at your life and you look at your circumstance and you say, it's impossible a miracle can happen. So this was the background of the story we're reading right here. But you see, as you consider Jehoshaphat here, beloved, the Bible tells us that he came to God in prayer. You see, as most of us have to come to agreement on, our only hope is God. It doesn't matter how you view life and what you conclude, they were outnumbered. Jehoshaphat was looking at a nation that will be defeated and the only hope, a wise king can see what is transpiring. To him, there is no one I need to run to but God and seek 
the God of all heaven and earth, to help us during this time. Now, this is what consumed the mind of this king. A need that was far bigger than himself, a need that he couldn't even process, that was in his finite mind. Why is this happening? Why must this take place? In his mind, this only can have victory by a miracle of God. Now, if you read the Bible, there's so many stories and we don't have the time to talk about all of them. But Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 to 21 tells us the story about the woman with the issue of blood. And she was 12 years. Go ahead and put that scripture up, uh, uh, guys. Uh, and suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. So here's a woman. Her need has consumed her to the degree that I need God to do something for her. She's come to the conclusion, the only way out of this is God. And for many, we, we've not come to that place. We've not come to that conclusion. We're still trying at it. We're still trying to work it all out. We have to come to the place where Jehoshaphat came to, where he said, the only way out of this is God. And if you believe that with all your heart, I believe that God will show himself in our lives. Matthew 15, 22. Notice what this, here's this woman. Uh, 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 she's dealing with a demon-possessed child. And the Bible says, And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. She understood that the only one who can help me is God. I say to you, let me make a statement. When we become desperate, we often become consumed. You know why our minds are so consumed oftentimes? Because we are in a state of desperation and we are looking for the miracle and we want the miracle in our time. We want the miracle to work at our timetable and God says, no, it is going to be according to my schedule. And that's the struggle many times we have. In our desperation, God doesn't move the way we want Him to. You see, needs today, beloved, have a way of consuming our minds. Needs have a way of brewing anxiety and fear in our hearts. We see the problem Many times you walk into Canaan, like the Bible says, here were 12 spies that went into Canaan. 10 of them came back with a negative report. Two of them came back with a positive report. And that is the nature of how we view life oftentimes. When anxiety grips you, when fear grips you, beloved, when there is no doubt that, that, that torment that comes upon your mind, you're consumed, you often begin to take into account and you have a false estimate of your situation. What does it do to us? It weakens us. When our needs seem too big, it weakens us. We become so weak, it limits us. It troubles us. In fact, when our needs are magnified, it overwhelms us and it takes away clarity. And why do we feel that? Because we know that we're not in control. This is Jehoshaphat right here. He understands there is no way for me to change this on my own. 
Philippians 4, 6-7, to the Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, before we go any further, let me ask you this morning, what you're praying for, are they really needs? Or are they desires? See, that's the question we have to answer today. Because there is a, there is a, there is a clear, distinct difference between needs and desires. Needs this morning, according to Scripture, is something that is essential to fulfilling God's purpose for your life. This will include food. Clothings, shelter, these represents needs. But how many know, beloved, there are times we misinterpret our needs when they are actually desires. God, I would love to have this in my life. That could be a desire. And then we get upset, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Because you're not praying for need, you're praying for a desire. And let me also inform you today that God is a God who gives us the desires of our heart. If you read the book of Psalms 35, the Bible says, And the Lord shall give you the desires of your heart. So there is no, no doubt, beloved, that God doesn't only meet needs, but God also gives you the desires of your heart. But we have to be careful to differentiate between is it, is it a need or is it a desire? I would desire to have $10 million in my account. But it's not a need. It's a desire. God may bless me. God may give it to me. I would desire God that every chair in this church will be filled. I, I will be happy. But God says that's your desire. What's the need? And that's the differentiation. So many times we get upset with God because we're praying for something and we don't see Him answer when it's actually a desire and not a need. So let's talk about the battle this morning because the battle really when it comes to our needs isn't so much in the physical but it's a battle that's in the mind. Jehoshaphat is battling in the mind. And if you understand anything, beloved, God hasn't changed. And what we must establish today, I established this this morning, God will give us victory. I don't care what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. My God has confirmed and assured us that we will see victory at the end of it all. That is what matters. But our mind gets tormented. Our mind gets attacked. Our mind looks at the problem. Our mind looks at the need. And we are troubled. And we are tormented. And we are disturbed. There's an absence of peace. There's an absence of calmness. There's an absence of joy. We need to win the battle in the mind to be able to have victory. Sometimes we look at a problem and we think it's bigger than it really is. Because it's all up in here. It was only natural, right, for Jehoshaphat to be anxious. The attack, the military strength of the countries that were coming against him, 
Judah had no military strength. So if you think about Jehoshaphat, the need, I want to make this clear, the need was overwhelming. It was massive. It was too much for him to bear. He cannot see in his finite mind how God is going to help us overcome this. And some of us could be in that right now. Some of you have gone through that. Some of you may go through that down the road. But you're going to come to places where you're going to look at the need and say, God, I'm a dead duck. There's nothing I can do. I don't have the money for it. I don't have the strength for it. I don't have the answer for it. I don't have the, the, the solution for it. God, what do I do? And God shows us, as we read this passage, a few things that Jehoshaphat did. And I want to consider that with you. The Bible says in verses 3, Jehoshaphat, can we put that scripture up, guys? Uh, uh, 2 Chronicles 20, verses 3. Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. When your need overwhelms you, I said it earlier, you have to tell your mind, God is my only hope. And when you come to that, that comes to us as we begin to pray and seek God earnestly. So listen to me carefully. Needs this morning, whatever the need may be, it can be financial, it can be, it can be marriage, it can be sickness, it can be family, it can be any need that's overwhelming you right now. The need ought to be drawing you nearer to God, not further away from God. Are you, are you getting this this morning? What Jehoshaphat did is what we should do in our state of anxiety. We should be praying and seeking, fasting and laying hold of God even more than ever because the only one who can give us the miracle we need is the God who is almighty and He's the only one who is able to turn things around. Our needs this morning, can I present it to you this way, must turn us to God, not turn us away from God. It's so interesting that when people have needs that overwhelms them, at the first juncture of that need, they want to take matters into their own hands. Jehoshaphat didn't run helter-skelter looking for solutions among all the other countrymen and saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you come with me? You know what? Get all your people to come. We'll fight against it. He didn't. He went and he seek God. That's the truth. Even with Daniel, when Daniel was overwhelmed in the Bible, what did he do? The Bible says he knew that he was going to get thrown into the lion's den. He knew that he was going to be sent away and he was going to face a season of trial. What did Daniel do? As it was his custom, the Bible says, he went to his room and he began to pray. There's something about prayer. When your needs overwhelm you, that it lifts that burden off. The Bible says, put on the garment of praise, for it lifts the spirit of heaviness. 
If you're bound and you feel heavy, you feel overwhelmed, you ought to find time to pray, to worship, to seek God. Because the Bible says when you put on that garment of praise, it lifts the spirit of heaviness. It is supernatural. It is miraculous that the Spirit of God has the ability to lift that burden off our shoulders. You see, it's a very human thing to take matters into our own hands. It is a very human thing for us to trust ourselves. That's why when we compute what we're dealing with, we're computing it through our own finite thinking. This is what I should do. This is how I should handle this. Maybe this is the trap. Maybe that's how I can fix it. Maybe that's what I can do to get this problem solved. And we're figuring, we're figuring, we're, because we're solution-driven. And we're always looking for ways to fix things that God says, leave it to me. I'm going to fix it. You cannot change this. Look at the odds. You have five people. They have 10,000 people. There's no way you're going to win this. And Jehoshaphat understood that. That's why instead of turning his back on God, he turned towards God. And that's my challenge to you. That's my encouragement to you this morning. Beloved, in our greatest need, let us turn to God in prayer. In our greatest need, let us not seek, beloved, for our own solutions and answers. But do what Jehoshaphat did. Beloved, he aggressively challenged the people. Against all odds, think about this king with me for just a moment. He could have said, you know what? Guys, go get as many people you can to come win this battle for us. He could have rallied. He's the king. As many people. But because he realized and understood, he decided that what he wants to do is he's going to get the people of God. He's going to get his nation to rise up, pray, and seek God. What is prayer? What is prayer when we have needs? What is prayer when we are overwhelmed by all kinds of things? Even when you're trying to pray, your mind is so clouded. What is prayer? Can I make a statement to you, beloved? Prayer is an admission that I cannot handle this and only God, you can change this. That's what prayer is. Prayer is an admission that God, I cannot handle this. Why do we pray? Because we're showing God how dependent we truly are on Him. So what did Jehoshaphat in the circumstances of overwhelming needs, he earnestly prayed. The second thing that we see in this passage, beloved, if you read this in 2 Chronicles, guys, I gave you the scripture, chapter 26 through 11. I want to read that. So here's Jehoshaphat and he makes the statement. He says, O Lord God of our Father, are you not God in heaven? 
I want you to feel the words he speaks here. Are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? In your hand, is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Oh no, that's the wrong scripture, guys. Verses 6, please. Verses 6. I'll read it. I'll go on reading as they get that sorted out. Are you not our God? who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever, and they dwell in it. And the Bible says, and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save. And now, hear the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are, rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. So think with me here. Here is Jehoshaphat, beloved. By the statement and the sound of the words we find in this passage, there's number two. He refused to allow anxiety to control him. Can I tell you this morning, anxiety is a spirit and you must make a decision against it. So when your circumstances may not seem favorable, you look at yourself, you know my, my, my situation, pastor, you don't understand, it's so bad, it's so bad. But if you entertain anxiety, beloved, you will never see the goodness of God. If you entertain anxiety and fear, you will never see the power of God. If you entertain, this is why you find His words, His words are so relatable to you and I. Oh God, you are God Almighty. You are so powerful. You are so massively strong. God, in your strength, oh God, you can cause victory to happen. You consider the words of this man. What kind of words are you speaking in your circumstances of needs. We all have needs. But what are the words you're speaking, beloved? You see, as real as his circumstances were, he refused to allow anxiety to dominate or control his mind. You know, when needs are so overwhelming, we become fearful. We become anxious. We look at life and we cannot seem to see that God is able to deliver me from this. And for some of us, maybe we are battling that spirit even this morning. Passivity, make a statement to you, passivity is the path to overthinking and become, becoming overconsumed. You know, we overthink a lot of our situation. We overthink. Why do we become so cynical about us because we are overthinking our situation you know you will never move forward in life if you're an overthinker because you become a procrastinator ah you know my life is not. i counsel people through the years and i've seen this to be the truth you have to change in this area no pastor you know things have to change around me first you can't wait 
If I do that kind of job, this is what's going to happen. If I do that kind of job, this is what's going to happen. Stop overthinking. Just take a step of faith. Start somewhere. And as Christians, when the needs are overwhelming, instead of, you know what, God, you know, life is so hard. God is so difficult. God, why don't you call out His promises? Why don't you read the scriptures and begin to tell your mind, listen, He's God Almighty. Why not you speak words of, of encouragement to your own life and say, no, my God is able to deliver me from this. Passivity is the result of overthinking. People can sit in the silence for days and overthink a problem and have no victory, no joy, no peace. Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He said, no, I will declare and proclaim who God is. And he did that. So let's consider as I bring this to a close, beloved. There are a few things Jehoshaphat did. Number one, Jehoshaphat began recalling the former days. Can I tell you, that's how you overcome anxiety this morning. This is how you overcome anxiety. By recalling the former days. In verses 7, I want you to consider this. Verses 7, the Bible says, Are you not our God? Guys, I need the scripture up. Follow through, okay? This is 7. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? So think with, this is what, this is what Jehoshaphat is praying. He is saying that are you not the God who delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt? What was he doing? How do you overcome anxiety? He was recalling the past, the former things that God has done. Listen to me, all of us have things God has done for us in the past. You need to recall it. When you come through that, you come under that spirit of anxiety, you need to recall it. No, God, in the past, you touched my family. God, no, in the past, you touched my finances. No, God, in the past, you did this for me. God, in the past, you opened doors for me. That will help you overcome anxiety when you can recall what God has done in the past. The second thing you have to do is you need to reflect. Recalling the past is one thing, but reflecting on the goodness of God is the second thing. In verse 6, the Bible says, He said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule all over the kingdom or all the kingdoms of the nation? In your hand is there no power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Jehoshaphat had a revelation of God. He looked back and he looked up, beloved. He is meditating and he is reminded of God's goodness, his might, his power his strength, his ability, that God is a good God, that He has brought us this far. So not only are we looking, recalling the past, but we are now reflecting on the present, that this is where He's brought us. And isn't the, doesn't the Bible say, what God has begun in you, He will finish? What God has started in us, He will finish. We've heard that famous hymn that we, we've, we've, we've heard in the past. It says, God didn't bring us this far to leave us. You see, Satan has a way of beguiling us like he did in the garden. God's not going to ditch us. God's not going to drop us just like that. His character 
shows us as we reflect on Him, as we feed on the goodness of we are reminded in my struggles, in my greatest need, God is still good. God, you are good. Finally, He is reminded. So He recalls, He reflects, and He reminds Himself that God is ruler overall. Can I tell you, beloved, some of us have forgotten that. Whatever your circumstances could be today, do you know that God is still in charge of everything? He is still the ruler. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is still the one who has dominion. He is still the ruler of all, beloved. I don't care what the circumstances we can go through. What doesn't change is who God is. And this is what Jehoshaphat is doing. He is reminded, you are God. You rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. So the next time anxiety hits you, can I challenge you? You need to recall the past victories. You need to say, God, you've done this before. You need to reflect on the present goodness of God. And number three, you need to remind yourself that God is still in charge. I tell you, beloved, this is what Jehoshaphat had to do. With his own words, the words he spoke, that was the key to overcoming anxiety that he battled with. He was aware that his own resources was limited. How many know that, beloved? Jehoshaphat had limited resources. A handful of army to fight against two nations that were coming against him. Sometimes we feel like our needs overwhelm us like that. Can I tell you, we may have limited resources, but my God has unlimited resources. So let's close this morning, beloved. The final thing that he did was he began to thank God. There's so much to thank God for. And I want to close with this. This is a slightly different closure here. I want you to follow along with me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 15, the Bible makes this profound statement and, and this passage here. He said, Listen, all of you, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you. This is God. This is God speaking over their circumstances right here. He says, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed because of this great multitude. Oh, don't you love it when God says, for the battle is not yours. It's mine. It's God's. I'm telling you, beloved, if we understand the character of God, you will understand that God never leaves you fighting alone. He fights for you. If my God is for me, who can be against me? The scripture says, my God will never leave me nor forsake me. In whatever the circumstances of life, the needs can be overwhelming. The needs can drive me to a place where I feel like giving up and quitting. But can I say to you, beloved, Jehoshaphat began to understand that this was a point in his life where he needed to thank God for all that God has done and what God was going to do. Can I say to you this morning, your circumstances may not change today, but you need to come and say, God, I thank you that you are going to do a miracle in my life. 
God, I thank you that you are going to perform and meet the needs that I've been praying for. God, I thank you that you're not leaving me to fight this alone, God. God, I thank you that even when I don't feel that you're there, God, I know that you're concerned about my needs as much as I am concerned about my needs, God. Can I tell you, beloved, that that is what matters to God. This is why we must understand there's so much to be grateful to God for that even through this entire ordeal that Jehoshaphat went through, he benefited. Why did he benefit? Why was this ordeal as, as ugly as it looked? Remember Joshua, uh, Joseph, the Bible says, what others have meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Here's the story of Jehoshaphat. And the profound truth in this passage is this. As he stayed fervent, steadfast, faithful, loyal, and dependent on God, can I tell you, beloved, the end of the story is greater than the start of the story. The story started off with Jehoshaphat fearing men. But the story ended with Jehoshaphat fearing God. That's powerful because you can start off being afraid of the needs that are represented before you. God, how am I going to take care of this? God, this is too much for me to bear. How am I going to handle this, God? And it may be overwhelming, beloved, but I say to you, when God is with you, so what does that mean this morning? 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 26. The Bible makes this profound statement in this passage. It says, On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore, the name of that place was called the valley of Barakah until this day. What does Barakah mean? You know, this is just a few verses later. Now, this is very interesting, church. You know that same valley where they fought? The same valley where they were, the enemy came against them? God gave them victory in that place. Their overwhelming need, the struggle, the difficulty that they faced, the, the things that, that they had to deal with, God came through and God says, the battle is not for you to fight, it's mine. And when God fought the battle for them and when they won the battle, it was right here at the valley called Barakah. You know, want to know what Barakah means? Barakah means blessing. Your moment of greatest need can become your moment of greatest blessing. That was where they were. Go up and search the word Barakah. You, if you've got a Bible, you will see the footnote of it down there. Barakah means blessing. So let me tell you, beloved, today, the need can be overwhelming. But if you stay steadfast with God, what you seem to find too much to bear may eventually become your greatest place of blessing. That's the challenge that Jehoshaphat had to stay. That the very place the enemy attacked them the very place the enemy caused trouble became a place of blessing. So what is so good about this story? 
You see, in his moment of greatest need, this is what we normally don't take away from it, but I want to draw your attention to this. Because of his need, in his overwhelming need, it was there that he drew nearer to God. You know, when you have needs that overwhelm you, you start praying more. You start confessing and proclaiming and declaring more. You start thanking God more. You start looking to God for your source. And in that, what happens? You draw closer to God. So sometimes your, your place of greatest need could be your place of greatest blessing. God is actually drawing you nearer to Him. You're beginning to know God near, more and more. It, it is in that place, number two, that His trust in God became stronger. It is in that place, number three, His understanding of God began to increase. He knew more about God now, who His character is, who God is in His character. Number four, His love for God began to increase. So you see, don't despise the moments that you have right now that may seem like, God, I don't have an answer. Yes, He could be drawing you closer to Him. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. Yes, He could be trying to increase your trust in Him. God, why are you not answering my prayer? I'm crying, I'm desperate, God. He could be trying to increase your love for Him. Because when you come out, you find out that it all comes down to that truth. That God, you let me go through this because you love me enough to draw me nearer to you. So let me encourage you this morning. You may be going through some things that the needs are consuming your mind. You may not be able to sleep at night. You're dealing, you're suffering, you're struggling. Can I tell you, leave it in God's hands. Confront your anxiety. God, I'm going to recall, I'm going to remember, and I'm going to take that place where I'm going to take authority over this because I know in 2 Chronicles 20.12, Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. Nor do we know. How many of you are in that? I don't know what to do. I don't have an answer. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with my finances. I don't know what to do with my family. I don't know what to do with my marriage. I don't, I don't know what to do, God. What did he say? He says, but our eyes are upon you. Fix your eyes on Jesus this morning. I was reading a story. My wife shared this with me, you know, about a woman, Lisa Turquoise. She, she's been through so much in life. And if you go and you search her story up, you would find it. It's, it's profound. She said, that my wife was listening to the podcast, she said that, you know, God, you talk so much about brokenness. You know, I'm not even broken, God. I've been broken and broken and broken and I'm dust right now. God, why aren't you doing anything for me? And God spoke to her. God said, I made humans out of dust. You can be dust, 
Your problem may have made you a dust right now. But God takes dust and makes human out of dust. And I challenge you today. I remind you today. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Come to the place where you say, you know what? Only God is my hope. Only He can help me. And do what Jehoshaphat did. Pray earnestly. Cast away all anxiety and learn to thank God for what you have. And you will find your life seeing um, the, the, the outstanding move of God. I'm telling you, beloved, as I'm praying this week, this is going to be a fantastic year of revival. We're going to see God move in supernatural ways, but I challenge you, never let the enemy turn you away from God. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. We all have needs that overwhelm us. Every one of us, if we went around the church and we asked everybody,